Hallelujah. Let's just exalt his name right now. The Bible said, he that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, delivered. Oh, I hope you can feel what we feel in this tabernacle this morning. His never-failing presence is so comforting, so strengthening, so precious right now. Oh, may our incense rise as when he opened the seventh seal and the incense was poured out and the prayers of the saints became answered. I pray God will answer your prayer today. He'll speak to you in a very special way, a real and living way that the Holy Spirit will just come down right where you are in your place, your home, right in your dwelling, right here where we're in Passover, where we're eating the lamb. Oh, there's some bitter herbs. We're separated from our friends and we're isolated away. But here we are in his presence. We cannot go where he can't find us. We're not out of his sight. We're not out of his care. He's the ever-present God today. Wherever you are, you're listening today, our home folks around the country. Our brothers and sisters in the United States, Canada, over across the seas in the different places that have texted me today and said, we're going to be listening in. That little home, that little place, maybe it feels like it's so dark. Or maybe hear the voice of God scream out today and say, don't worry, little sister. There's a man here who can turn on the lights. There's a man here to rapture the church. There's a man here to rapture you up to catch you out in a miracle today. That eagle anointing to sweep you out of the trouble that you're in and bring healing to you. We speak to you today in the name of the Lord. Father, as we bow before you today, we want to thank you for your presence. We want to thank you for you said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you even to the end of the world. And here we are, Lord. We're in the end time. Maybe, maybe some may, may not see the world ending, but maybe they feel their own world collapsing around them. But we got a promise. I'll be with you. Even in you to the end of the world. Lord, this poor man cries. But you answer us. And you deliver us. And we're believing in your deliverance today. Ask that the anointing of your spirit will anoint the word. May we preach, Lord, with such an anointing today. Lord, that it breaks the bands of unbelief. That it cause faith to rise and be able to receive from the promise of God. I ask in Jesus' name, may the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. May the light pierced through the darkness and the angel of your presence step out from it and break every band of unbelief till we walk free today 
unhindered in Jesus' name. As we look into the word, Lord, I pray that you bless it to our hearts. As we enjoy the freedoms that we have, may you bless our brethren that are in, that are in persecution today that are unable to be with friends or family and sitting in an old cold jail cell for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Remember our brothers that are in bonds. Lord, to the many that are worried about the next bite of food that they're going to get. Lord, they're crying out for help. They're looking for to every human resource they can. Help us. Help us. But I pray, Lord, that today that you who promised to be the helper will help them and move on their behalf and you'll lead us Lord in the right way to the ones that we need to help father we ask it in Jesus name as we look to your discretion in Jesus name amen amen well God bless you amen it's good to be with you today as we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus and we gather together in our homes today and we worship the Lord and we look to Him and we thank God for His goodness and His mercies, His grace. We want to thank you, the team that has come out today to make this service possible. And um, although you don't see the audience here, I want you to know that sitting on every one of these pews are the angels of God that have gathered and encamped about us. So we thank God for his presence today that he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Amen. I'd like to read from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. And just reading in the word of God today, we're going to be speaking on um, the people of the book. Or as we are here in the land of the promise. And here we are to enforce our abstract Claims, And that's what we're going to be speaking on this morning, enforcing your abstract claims. Amen. And here in the book of Ephesians, it tells of this battle that we have. Uh, Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. What's this word stand? against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Interestingly enough, this word high places is the same word used earlier in the scripture in Ephesians 1, where he speaks of heavenly places. So this is a battle of the heavenly realms. And he says, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, don't give up, keep on standing. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, 
which is the word of God, and praying always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. May God bless you. You can be seated, and God bless you as you gathered today and, and uh, to honor the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and to, to announce to the world that he is risen, that he's not dead, but he's a living God. I want you to bear in mind the couple of scriptures that we have been uh, using as a theme. I won't read them this morning, but as you know from Daniel chapter 12, we're in that day shall Michael stand up in a very troublesome time and, and deliver those whose names are written in the book. And then also in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7, we won't read it, but the war in heaven where Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his, uh, and the dragon fought in his angels, but they prevailed not. And neither was their place, what's these words again, neither were their, their place found anymore in heaven. So again, the battle is a, a battle within the heavenly realms. But ever since the fall of man, the heavenly battles became earthly battles. And men and women such as yourself are are part of the soldiers in this battle. If we were not going to fight, then why was it that we were told for this fight to put on the whole armor of God, to prepare yourself for battle? Now, this seems kind of strange because we say, well, God has given us this land. God has given us this promise of his word, and he has restored it back to us, and it is our inheritance. So, we would think automatically that it would be given to us on a silver platter. That, you know, it just handed right over to it. God gave it to us. But that's not the way that it is. You have to fight for every inch of it. God gave you healing. God gave you salvation. God gives you deliverance. But you have to fight to possess that. To claim it for yourself. Um, you find this with Israel. God gave Israel a title to the land of Canaan, but they would have to clear it of its inhabitants. Numbers 33, 52 says, Then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their pictures and destroy all their molten images and quite pluck down all their high places. And ye shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein. For I have given you the land to possess it. And you shall divide the land by lot for an inheritance among your families. And to the more, you shall give it the more inheritance. And to the fewer, you shall give it the less inheritance. And every man's inheritance shall be in the place where his lot falleth. According to the tribes of your fathers, ye shall inherit it. <laughs> now Canaan was a land that was that rightfully belonged to Israel. God had given it to Abraham and to his seed. And yet there were squatters that were there illegally living there. They were enjoying the benefits of that land while Israel was down in Egypt in bondage and living as slaves. 
the milk and the honey, the oil and the wine of the Lamb was being enjoyed by those to whom it did not belong. And spiritually today, um, spirits of unbelief possess and insist on holding back God's promises from us as believers. It isn't that God's promises isn't true. It isn't that the land does not exist. It is not that it doesn't have its milk and honey and it doesn't have its wonderful fruits and, and, and um, grapes of cluster that is so big that two men, it, it, it takes two men to pack it out and, and to show it to Israel of the, of the of fertility of that land and what it provides. If you notice, it would have... Um, it would have the figs and the pomegranate and the grapes. It would have three fruits or the three pulls or the, that would, would be shown to us, you know, what it can do. What, what, what is the power that lays in this land? What, what life-given resources lay within it? But, of course, it is possessed. And this is what discouraged the children of Israel when they went over to take that land of promise. They were discouraged by the report of the spies. But, you know, we went there, and they're stronger than us. And, and uh, we're not able to take it. And they brought back an evil report of, we just can't do this. And... And maybe the circumstances that you're looking at today and the problems that you're facing maybe puts a fear in your heart. We just can't go through this. We can't make it through. We, we can't possess this. But I want you today to be a, a Joshua and a Caleb and look at the promise of God and say, we're more than able to take it. It is our land and our possession. And and, um, you know, that we are able to take this possession that belongs to us. But spiritually, today, spirits of unbelief uh, possess and insist on holding back God's promise. And maybe you're looking at a promise for healing. And it seems like every demon of hell wants to camp on every scriptural promise there is. And laugh at you and mock you for your tenacity of trying to hold on to that word. But I wanted to say to you, hold on my child. Joy comes in the morning. The battle is the Lord's. Amen. You may have run out of strength, but God hasn't run out of strength. Amen. God is still God, regardless of the circumstances that you are facing. And today we battle against this unbelief even until now. Unbelief and doubts and fear all resist our possession of the land. As we go out to fight, I want you to never forget the awful price that Jesus paid so that we could have possession of every promise of this land. I want you to remember that Calvary is not in vain where he was wounded for your transgression and he was bruised for your iniquity and the chastisement of your peace fell upon him and with his stripes you were healed. It was, it was not for nothing that Jesus died and paid the price of redemption. But it was for you so that you could possess every promise of the atonement. 
Everything that Jesus paid for belongs to you. And yet the battle rages. Now, Revelation 9 shows 200 million supernatural demons released and allowed to come to this battle as hell opens wide its mouth. And I want to say, don't be discouraged at this. Because when all of Pharaoh and his armies came against Israel, it was for their hurt and for their destruction and not for the children of God. This did, not, this, did, this did not escape God's notice and neither was it something that wasn't in God's plan. But way before the world began, when he shaped the earth and he put the mountains and he put the sea, he knew exactly he would bring his children right down here and it would be here he would trap Pharaoh and all his armies and bring deliverance to his children. Amen. Never forget. Never forget this God, he's got it. Whatever your problem is, the battle rages, but our God, it's his battle and not yours. So you see, there is 200 million supernatural demons that God has released and allowed to come to this battle because this is a day where hell will meet its defeat. This is a day of a rapture where a people are under an eagle anointing. Amen. As we are under that anointing where miracles happen, where you're snatched out of a situation in a moment. One moment sick, another moment well. One moment in, in distress and problem, and another moment snatched out of it. One moment about to go down into the door of death, and the next moment snatched out of it just in the nick of time. This is the way that this eagle anointing works. And I want you to remember you're under that anointing. Even your strength that feels so weak this morning, they shall mount up with wings as an eagle. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. Wait on the Lord this morning. Expect him to come on, your, on to you for your need. So Revelation 9 shows 200 million supernatural demons. I wonder when God looks at it, if he doesn't just say to the devil, is that all you got? You know, I've allowed this Satan's Eden and now I've given a special permission for you to bring in a reserve, to call up your reserve that have been waiting for this time. And now you've got not just the demons you've been fighting with and, and, and had in your army for all this, but now you have reinforcement of 200 million more. But you don't got enough. Amen. Amen. Because I want you to know we are not the only ones in this battle. Amen. The word preached in its fullness has liberated the Holy Spirit that was not allowed to work down through the ages because of man-made denominational spirits. You see, denominational church world with its creeds and man-made dogmas has bound and sequestered the Holy Ghost down through the dark ages and even through bitter persecution where they killed out believers trying to stomp out the true faith and to keep the Holy Spirit from working in the church because of man-made systems. 
during these past 2,000 years. And they continue fighting against the Holy Spirit unto this day. But I want you to know the time is up. Because now the Holy Spirit has found somebody, a people of God in this last day, who he can work through. Amen. Michael, whose name means, who is like Jehovah, the angel of his presence, is showed standing up to deliver God's people. Those whose names are written in his book. And then again in Revelation 12, fighting against Lucifer and his army. I want you to know, war has been declared. Amen. In the heavens, war has been declared. And this war is to the bitter end. And in this war, there will be a bride go up. And Satan will be cast down. There will be a people move back into the position where Adam fell from. And reign as kings and priests. Amen. And rule and reign over every disease and every affliction. You think cancer is something. You think uh, this disease that is coming is something. Let me tell you, we're not just looking for just a divine healing. We're looking for a total massive divine healing from the top of your head to the sole of your feet changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye it's the eagle anointing changed now as I said war has been declared I want you as I preach Sunday about the unseen realms and the angels I want you to realize Michael has called all his hosts together. Amen. Just as Satan has gathered all of his. And we're right here at the final battle. War has been declared. And it's time for Adam's race to return to their position that was once held in God's presence. Brother Branham would tell us this in the Feast of the Trumpets. He says that church, and let me just add, with its creeds and dogmas of man and unbelief, has bound the Holy Ghost for nearly 2,000 years. And it did it by martyrdom back there under the church ages. It's been bound not at the river Euphrates, but at the door of creeds and dogmas. And he said that the Holy Spirit can't work in the church because of man-made systems. But she's going to be liberated. She's coming back. That's what the Bible said. So Brother Branham is telling us that even as there has been a liberation of spirits that God has held back until this time and would not let move and operate until, until it would bring on a tribulation time. Here they are now coming streaming right into this dimension. And here as the battle begins to rage, he said, so has the Holy Spirit been held back. At the doors of creeds and dogmas. Unbelief has held it back. Remember Sunday's sermon. Unbelief was holding it back. Unbelief held Jesus back from doing many mighty work miracles. But when Jesus found faith. When Jesus found somebody that would believe. When Jesus found that there was a group of people who, who started believing him. It was there Jesus could unleash the power of God. And I want you to know as this bride has begun to believe. Amen. The power. 
power is being released. So don't look for less power. Look for more power. Amen. Because for you, the doors of creeds and dogmas have been knocked down, obliterated. Amen. The Holy Spirit is free to do what the Bible said. To heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out devils in his name. It is liberated for the purpose of meeting those 200 million demons that has been released. So God in the end time sends a message that will remove the shackles of creeds and dogmas and unbelief of man so people can start believing again. Now, so it's liberated to meet these spirits. And he says, and those two meet one another on the battlegrounds. Lucifer and Michael again, like in the beginning. They've been bound for 2,000 years almost. Almost 2,000 years. The Holy Spirit has been bound by these denominational rivers for almost 2,000 years. But it's to be loosed in the evening time by the evening time message. The Holy Spirit back in the church again. Christ himself revealed in human flesh in the evening time. He said it and he promised it. Hallelujah. Amen. So therefore, the Holy Spirit is back in the church again. The evening time message brings the Holy Spirit back in the church. The life, not just the tongue, not just an emotion, but the life with the faith back in the church again. Amen. The Holy Spirit is released to do battle against these millions of demons. And now we hear them going through the country right now. We see them manifested in an insidious disease that is going on through the land as, 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 as striking fear and chaos in our world today. But I, I want you to notice here in, in this, the Holy Spirit is also released to do battle against these millions of demons. Amen. For he said the Holy Spirit can't work in the church Because of man-made systems. You see, man-made systems, formulas, policies to do away with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. With the real precious infilling of the Spirit. Where it has been substituted with either easy believism or emotionalism. Amen. But now, now again, we have access to the real, true, genuine Holy Ghost, the literal life of Jesus Christ back in the believer again. Amen. So, so again, formulas and policies to do away with prayer lines and altar calls and divine healings and speaking in tongues and gifts of the Spirit and the supernatural workings of God. But we have been liberated from them. We have thrown off their yoke. Hallelujah. Yeah, I know down to the ages, they bound the church. This kind of unbelieving theology, this faithless preaching made Goliath really brave and made the church really weak. Brother Branham found this to be true when he began to preach. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is true when the church has forgot how to cast out devils. That this is their commission. 
everywhere they go, they are to cast out devils. Casting out devils brings salvation in the flesh realm and in the spirit realm. Amen. Casting out devils. They, you know, again, the church has forgot about how to cast out devils. Instead, they're telling you how to live with devils. You have to live with your problems. You have to live with your habits. You have to learn to live with, with your temper and, and learn to live with your um, gambling problem or your sex sins. Or You have to learn to live with them. I'm telling you, friend, let me tell you, the church has forgot that they are to cast those devils out. We're not to live with them. Amen. We are to walk free of them. The same is true for divine healing. We're, we're told, well, you know, if it be the will of God, if it be the will, nothing. Amen. Here is the will of God. That's right. That's right. Amen. Here is the will of God. He's already told us his will. Yes, he told the church what to do. When somebody comes to the altar and seeking salvation, do we say, if it be God's will, you'll be saved? No, we say it is God's will for you to be saved. Amen. You can receive the Holy Ghost. All you need to do is repent and accept that as your own. Amen. When it comes to divine healing, we have to do the same thing. Instead of saying, if it be thy will, God, what a dishonoring thing. After Jesus showed his will at Calvary, I want you to prosper in health. Amen. I want you to be healed. I left all the glory to take on human battles, to pay for your, for your sins and your sickness. Amen. If it be thy will. My goodness, how many, how many different ways does he have to show us his will? His whole ministry was showing his attitude toward the sick and the lost. The ministry of Jesus, ministry of William Branham, which displayed again the ministry of Jesus Christ, showed his attitude about sickness and sin. Right? Amen. But again, the church has forgot its commission that you are commissioned to cast Satan out until they know nothing about being a spiritual church. They call themselves a word church. And that becomes a phrase. Oh, we're, we're, we're the word. We're the word. You know, they call themselves a word church. But they're just a theological church. For they know nothing about using a two-edged sword. A word church. Let me tell you about a word church. A true church. And here your prophet says, And if the church is the true church, it will have the same spirit, the very same spirit and word and acts of power that they had at Pentecost. By experience, it will be a Pentecostal church. And there will be tongues and interpretation and prophecy and healing. And God will be in the midst of her. And God will declare himself in the midst of her as he always has. Hallelujah. Now that's a word church. But you see, even when Brother Bradham went out commissioned by an angel... Even in the early days before the angelic visit, when he went, when he went to pray for his little sister Georgie Carter, looking for that lamb that was in the, caught up in the brambles of unbelief down in the wilderness. And he, you know, he would have to deal with 
church theology. The persecution was not coming from the government per se and World Council of Churches, but it was that ecumenical thinking of we're all the same and, and you know, we just have a, a philosophy today and, and, and any old way will do and, and, and don't do, disturb our, 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 our people by, by telling them they need a real experience with God and, and, the, and divine healing is real and for today. And, you know, just let us set where we're at. Don't, don't, don't make us move out of our comfort zone. I wonder how the church got comfortable anyway just sitting in a place where miracles were passed where there was no healing where there was no deliverance he said there the whole church was standing defeated because (coughs) some demon some Goliath was crying out the days of miracles are past but it didn't work when David a man of God's come up that little stoop, stoop shoulder ruddy looking boy but God was with him he had had an experience and man, you know his, his brother in the clergy you know said get back to your sheep days of miracles have passed you naughty boy you know where, what, where did you get your education if you'd, if you'd listen to us you'd know we can't defeat this Goliath we got to find some way to reason with him and, you know, get him to go back and maybe we'll be slaves or whatever. You, you naughty boy. But, you know, David could stand here and I'm talking about the messenger in this day, the prophet of God. He could say, but I met an angel. And to Goliath, he said, you meet with a, a sword and a shield and with science and education and with your theology. And, but I meet you with a commission given by an angel. Amen. You know, Saul, Saul tried to give him an honorary degree of some armor and, and things like that. But he said, that don't fit me. I don't know anything about your theology. And besides that, your theology has never defeated Goliath yet. Whether you're wearing it or I'm wearing it, it won't, it won't defeat Goliath. There's only one thing that will defeat him. I'm coming in the name of the Lord. I'm coming because I am a circumcised child of God that is under a covenant of God. And because of that covenant, I can stand there with an abstract saying my deed is cleared and my, my sins are gone. My sacrifice has been offered and accepted and I am God's. I am the seed of Abraham and today I'll cut this giant's head off. I am anointed for this job. How many of you out there would just say that as the the prophet would say, the bride is the anointed one of this day. How many would declare, I am anointed then. I am the anointed of the Lord. Amen. And I'm going to slay this giant that says the days of miracles are past. There's got his bluff on the churches everywhere. Now, like David of old, he couldn't slay all the Philistines. But he could kill that boaster out there. Amen, Goliath. And when Goliath was slain, well, all of Israel took courage. And and away they went. And and they beat the Philistines plumb back to their gates. And he says, what we need today is somebody with an experience like David. Who will stand up and say, you mean to tell me 
that you let men and people rise up and tell you the days of miracles has passed and that Jesus' blood dried up 1,900 years ago and, you, and all we need to do is join the church? Why, why in the world would we change a gospel of power into a powerless religion? The church world has done that by veiling God from the people, by covering its creeds with, uh, with creeds or its tr- his truth with creeds of men. They've tried to put God behind a veil of creeds and hide him and say, we got all of God here. Matthew 28, 13, or 23, 13 says, but woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you set up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are going, that are entering to go in. So he said, this is what religious systems are doing. They're setting up the kingdom of heaven. And they won't go in themselves. And neither will they allow anybody else to go in. But I want you to understand, friend, the job of the message was to restore the power of the Holy Ghost back to the church again. To bring back a God of miracles, a God of healing, a God of deliverance, a God of true salvation. That's what this message is about. The job of the seventh messenger is to unveil that God. Amen. The mighty God unveiled before us, the unveiling of God. We've heard of, of those sermons. We ought to look at them in a new light. And the veil was turned off or torn off. And the mighty God was unveiled before us. But unfortunately, what's happened is like what's happened with the, with the Jews after the temple veil was ripped away. When Jesus was crucified, they, they just put up another you know, again, this, this, is, this is the problem. You know, as soon as God moves the veil, here the, the people want to put up another. And, and it's the same old devil, just, just new excuses. You know, we, we can't do that. That was Brother Branham's job. We, we can't do that. We, we can't. Well, angels can't be present today. Pillar of fire is not for us. And, and the Holy Ghost doesn't move like it used to. Well, you know, we got the word now. Well, well friends, if it's the word, where, where's the power that goes with the word? Amen. There has to be a vindication to that word. So, well, it's already been vindicated. Yeah, it was in Jesus' time, and it was again in our time, but again, it's got to be manifested in your own life. In the unveiling of God, Brother Branham says, the word has had a veil over it all these years to the people. It can't be done. And this is where we come again. Because no sooner than God will pull the veil down, men just put up another. And it's amazing. It's amazing how many criticized William Branham for seeing an angel. Oh, yeah. And he would have to defend that because they said, oh, that was only for the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we got the Holy Ghost, and so we don't have angelic visitations. Well, Jesus was strengthened by angels. Peter was delivered by one. That's 
Amen. A real angel that stepped out of a light and took the bands off of him and opened up the doors. Amen. We think we're living in a great time where we just, you know, are sensed to being there by a censor and it opens the doors for us. Peter had one of them one day. Invisible hands opened the doors and he walks right out of jail. Amen. You know, he, you know, he was strengthened. He was strengthened and then delivered. Paul had visitations by an angel. John the Revelator talked to one. Can you imagine having to defend angelic visitations? Amen. But it comes around today. We come 50 years now away or so. Well, angels aren't present anymore. And God doesn't speak. And you, you can't hear the voice of God. Oh, that was only for the prophet or some other things. Days of miracles are past. And oh, we got the word today. Same old church of Christ and a Christ spirit that moves again that says, oh, that was just the framework. Now we got what's real. If you got what's real, then friends, we ought to have everything in it. Brother Bradham would say in the unveiling of God, you remember the sermon I preached the morning when I left the first time about David and Goliath and David? I said, look out there at the challenger saying the days of miracles is past. Watch them tapes as they come down and watch each one, how it's come in more plainer and plainer if you have ears to hear and I see eyes to see. What? There stands that great, I said that there stands that great ecclesiastical world out there that's in this scientific age that it cannot be done. But I said, but God, in that light, for it was ever taken, but once never been, was taken then, it was on the Ohio River there, or down on the river there, where they never took the picture of it. He said, they, he told me it would be done. He would make a call and it would sweep the nations. And I want you to remind you what it said. As John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ. You're sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. Amen. And that, that was again spoken at the Ohio River. It would be spoken of again and again. And the Pentecostal circles as men and women would stand up and prophesy. Speak in other tongues. Not knowing it was said. And say it again. God has sent us Elijah the prophet. God has sent us a message in this last day. God has sent us a restoration. And what that restoration was to do was to turn our hearts back to the faith. Turn us back to believing again. And he said, and even to Dr. Davis, that was his Baptist pastor, said, you with a grammar school education, passing to the seventh grade, will be praying for kings and monarchs and will start a revival that will sweep the nations. And he said, I said, that's what he said. And it's been done. See, it's been done. That's the thing of it. He don't need no interpretation. He's done it. He's already done it. That interprets itself. See, calling is elected, see, from all walks of life. And now it's made manifest. So, so again, you know, as he starts out, you, you think he starts out and everybody receives him? He starts out and there's opposition. That's right. Amen. Oh, yeah. Amen. Do you think we're standing in this last day without opposition? 
That's, there's even more opposition. 200 more million supernatural demons coming against us, trying to battle war against us in our minds, coming with every kind of news and education and scientific knowledge and ideas of man against the word of God. And yet, when God would unveil it and rip the veil at Calvary, Israel just put up another one. And when God would unveil himself in this day and show he still has the same attitude and does the same thing, what does men do? Just put up another veil. Now, the old saying, the days of miracles is past. The walls are turned, torn down. Jehovah still stands in full view, manifesting his word, unveiled one. That's right. Notice the Gentile church has been blinded from the, from the veil after it's been torn off and shown God the ecclesiastical veil. How? By veiling the word in a human being again. So again, it was, it was ecclesiastical pressure and an ecclesiastical veil. And we're looking, we're looking, at, and many people are, are saying, well, you see, it's a persecution against the church now because they won't let us meet together. Well, that's funny. When you read in the West Plain News, there in Missouri, in, in, the, in the flu epidemic or pandemic back in the 1800, or 1918, rather, and, and a terrible Spanish flu come through the country that killed millions. And the mayor puts an ad in the paper, no assembly uh, anywhere. Churches are to be closed. Schools are closed. Uh, businesses are closed. Everything is closed. And, we, and as we try to, to, to uh, quell this virus that is going through, they did the same thing. Newspaper clips I've just seen from, from, from British Columbia saying the same thing. We were shutting down everything, trying to quell this virus that is going to the land. It wasn't a religious persecution then. It's not one now. Amen. But where it is, is it's still against this bride in an ecclesiastical manner of the days of miracles are past. We don't need the move of God. We don't need the Holy Ghost. Amen. Oh my, Brother Brandon said, what we need today is a good old-fashioned St. Paul's revival and the baptism of the Holy Ghost like it fell on the day of Pentecost to bring the people back to a living faith in God again. That's exactly, he said, I believe in confessions to raise up and accept Jesus Christ. That's good. See, Billy Graham was doing that. I believe in all of that. But friends, we need something more than that. And I'll tell you, you've got to realize today, we need something more than, I just believe the message. And I believe God's in a prophet. We need an experience to go along with that. Not just a head knowledge, a sympathetic uh, agreement that it's true. You know, well, we know that God did it, but the days of miracles is past. Not for David. He was anointed. He knew where he was at positionally. The devil's done said the days of miracles have passed. And God into the preachers and preached that all through the country. Notice, notice where he said the devil moved in. He moved into the preachers 
I wonder if we can't see his movement. He moves into the preachers and holiness isn't preached anymore. He moves into the preacher and we just soft serve uh, the gospel, you know, in a, in a uh, just a pleasant way of everything's going to be all right. You know, again, again, where, where is the cry going out right now? Repent! Flee to God! Amen! Run to the horns of the altar! Amen! Pray that it ain't too late! Where is the cry that is going out across America? Come back to God! Get your priorities right! What are the real essentials? What do you really need? The devil's done said the days of miracles is past. Got into all the preachers and preached that through the country. But there rose up a David not long ago, amen. Got his head chopped off. I'm telling you what the Israelite armies are beating it now from north to west to east to south. And I'm just saying, friends, if you're a follower of this message, you got a sword and you're beating that enemy. Amen. Is saying the days of miracles is past. Right now we need miracles. Right now, we need divine healing. Right now, we need some real altar calls. Right now, we need some people filled with the Holy Ghost. The power of God moving the church. Right now, we need it more than ever. So what is the intellectualism going to do for you now? What good is head knowledge going to do for you now? I'll guarantee you now, there are many wish the altar had never been put in the basement and the people knew how to pray. I'll guarantee you now, you wish that faith had been preached and not so much intellectualism and head knowledge. I guarantee you right now in a moment like this, when we're facing this demon that has threatened humanity, Divine healing all of a sudden isn't a minor anymore. Amen. And let me just say this. Divine healing never was a minor. Now, I, I, know, I know right now you're, just, you're, you're typing on your quote deals and you're going to prove me wrong on that. It was only minor when it was compared to the need of salvation of the soul. But it isn't truly a minor. This is a dual atonement. And divine healing is equally important. Amen. Amen. For he was wounded for our transgressions. And by his stripes we were healed. Amen. And if there is no divine healing, there is no resurrection. Amen. So you see, it's not that much of a minor, is it? But even if it is considered minor, how can you say you've got the word and you don't have it included? How can you have a perfect word and you know nothing about divine healing? In the message fellowship, Brother Bradham said, notice, if we have that and that was included in redemption, we've got to have divine healing for the earnest of our complete deliverance. If there is no divine healing, there's no resurrection of the dead. 
How about that, teacher? If there's no divine healing, there's no resurrection. Divine healing is the earnest of the resurrection. If the Holy Spirit is here, that's the earnest of our eternal life. You know, the Bible said the Holy Ghost is your down payment, your deposit. Amen? It's the earnest of your inheritance. It ain't all of it. It's just a foretaste. Right? Well, you know, that, that again is, is the Holy Ghost is, is the foretaste of our complete redemption. But again, it's a deposit. But if the Holy Spirit is the earnest, then what about the change of our body? Then divine healing is the earnest of our change. If we, and Brother Bradham would say often, if I can't get you to believe even in divine healing, how am I going to believe, get you to believe for a rapture? Now, that doesn't mean, well, if you're sick and you, you die, well, you just didn't have the faith for a rapture. That's not what that means. What he means is, if I can't even get the church to just simply believe for the healing of their body, how am I going to get them to believe for a complete transformation from, from ashes and, and a spoonful of dirt to, to becoming a man back again? How am I going to get you to believe in a resurrection? How am I going to get you to believe in a, in a body change? How am I going to get you to believe in a translation if I can't get you to even believe in divine healing? Listen, the reason God included divine healing how could you take it out of the gospel? When he was wounded for our transgressions and with his stripes we were healed. The same blood from the same man on the same day. One for salvation, one for healing. To deny one is to deny the other. And they've just turned it around today. In the days of Jesus here on the earth in a physical body, they said we know he can heal, but he makes himself God by forgiving sins. And But now today they say, he's all right, he can forgive sin, but he can't heal. But he says, praise be to God, he can do both. I'm a witness, and so are there many millions around the world too. Amen. But now he would tell us just before he left, our faith isn't ripe. Intellectually, we're hearing the message that God has given us. And I wonder when it's time for us to Stop just hearing it intellectually and get in the presence of God till our faith is ripened. This is an hour to use that faith. Amen. A mature faith, a faith that is ripe and that is ready to meet the challenge of the hour. We're facing a crisis in the world and people who know their God will do exploits. Amen. Oh, Brother Branham would tell us about his leaving from the home church, going out on the mission field. He says, I'm thinking about another Sunday morning when I was leaving the tabernacle and you people were weeping and asking me not to go. But when I preached on David and Goliath and how are you going to face that cold, indifferent world that says the days of miracles are past. I said, if there's one big giant There's one big giant, and as soon as we can slay him, the rest of them will take courage. I'm still drawing courage from that. Amen. Amen. 
I can look back here of lately. I've been going through some of the prayer lines, the discernment, just hearing some of the things that have been said. And I've been going through the supernatural books and looking at these things over again. You know why? Because we need a supernatural God. I, mean, I know some of you are searching for plagues and searching for, uh, for depression and searching for uh, financial troubles and all of this, you know, oh, what, what, what's happening? Is there a plague? Uh, we're not in the tribulation. But we are in a day of trouble. And what I'm searching the message for is can I be found without faith? Somebody that have believed this word in this crisis. Each day I pray for you. God put a wall of fire about your people. Protect them. Yet we hear beloved brothers and sisters who are sick with this virus. I still believe there's a wall of fire. I still believe there's a God of deliverance. God deliver your people. Amen. He says, there's one big giant, and as soon as we can slay him, one Goliath. This Goliath is saying, days of miracles has passed. He said, the rest will take courage. And the Lord granted that. There was no Roberts, the Jaggers, so forth, pulled the sword. And we fought the enemy out of the land, shut their mouths. They can't say that miracles don't happen because they, sure, they, here they are, sure. God's word is eternal. It flashed on the Urim, flashed on the word. That's his Urim Thurman. And when it flashed on that, it was positive. Right. Amen. And so without a doubt, I want to say, without a doubt, William Branham slew that giant and proved that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. But Goliath has some brothers who have defied the word of God and once again declare that Christ is not the same. But I want you to say, it's time for men to rise. David's mighty men. A man is described in, in 2 Samuel 23, men who have been inspired by David's courage. Amen. Men like Eliezer who slew, um, uh, who slew Philistines until his hand stuck to his sword. And I say, God, let that be me. May I be an Eliezer in this day. Take my sword against the enemy and strike and strike and strike him until you have to pry my hands off of the sword. Men such as Adino who slew 800 Philistines at a time. Others who killed lion-like men. Others who went down in the pit and killed a lion. Others who, who fought. Men, men who heard David, who they believed would be king, sighed for a drink of water out of the well of Bethlehem. Now, let me just say, again, you know, we, we have... We've seen the Goliath slain. Yeah, we can point to a figure who God used, but I want you to remember, remember, friends, not making the man God at all. Let's forget about that, but, but realizing the real David is Christ. He's the one that's coming king. Amen. Amen. He's the one that really slayed the Goliath. 
Even the angel of God told Brother Branham, never forget, it's not you doing it. It's me doing it. I think this is what we got to take courage in this hour. Never forget, this isn't done by human strength. This isn't a weak and frail man. This is God. Amen. Brother Branham would say over and over, you didn't touch me, you touched the high priest. He would say over and over, if I would heal you, I could. But Jesus Christ has already done it. Amen. Over and over and over again, he would declare, I can't do this, but he can. If I can bring his presence and you know that he's real by showing you signs and you know that he's alive and the same yesterday, today, and forever, you know he's here to kill your Goliath. That's right. But then he said, he, he counted himself as one of those mighty men who was standing with David, who was to be king and we will crown him in the millennium to come. And he said, there, the real David Christ is a fugitive outside his church. If you look at him in Revelation chapter 3, he is on the outside of the church and he's knocking, wanting in. Oh, they're still singing about him. They're still talking about him. They're still preaching sermons about him. But he's not there. He's not welcome. His presence isn't welcome. His worship isn't welcome. His word isn't welcome. Not the fullness of it. Oh yeah. But anyway, David sighed and said, I want to drink. You know, again, Brother Branham would reflect on this. He said, what a time we're living. What is the sign that God said he would show last before it was to come to pass? What was the thing he said? Israel in her place over yonder. The fig tree restoring or set back again, looking at everything just exactly sitting in line. And the church in the Laodicean condition with Jesus on the outside, a fugitive to his own church. Just as David was up above Bethlehem, a fugitive from his own people, a fugitive. And Christ, the Bible said in the last day, was a fugitive to his own people. And there in Revelation, the third chapter in the Laodicean age that we're living, Christ on the outside knocking, trying to get in, a fugitive from his own people or to his own people. They didn't want him. But now people are crying, God save us. An angel of death is coming to the land. It's kind of like 911. You know, when that happened, even the beer joints put out sign, God save America. Or God bless America. Yeah, you know, again, people all of a sudden got religious. People began to call on God. Oh, I hope it ain't too late. Amen. I hope right now that while it's, while it's yet day that you yourself will make your call in an election sure. Amen. They didn't want him. But now people are wanting him. Now people are crying. Even church services. Well, I can take it or leave it. And I I don't want to be a scolder here this morning. I want to be an encourager, but I just want to say that many times people have sat out of church when they could have been present. There have been many times they've used every little excuse of why not to be here. 
Amen. They found some reason, no why not to come and encourage the brothers or sisters. And now, now, now all of a sudden, they, they want to be in church. Now all of a sudden, they miss it. You know, this old adage is, you've never missed the water till the well runs dry. You never realize what you had. Amen. But this is a time God gives you an opportunity to reflect on what you had. And I might be speaking to some people in your little church, just 10, 25 people. Oh, don't feel alone and by yourself. I preached a many a sermon when I started out to 12 people, 10 or 12 or less. I preached a many an hour to where there wasn't 20 people. Amen. We've been blessed. We have been blessed abundantly. And I don't know, and I can't even make a promise to you, we'll ever, ever be able to come together again. Who knows? Only God is in his hands. Some say, well, what, what would be the use of this fine building? What would be of use to this place that God did so many miracles? I'll tell you what, well, that miracle is still going on right now as we're speaking across the foreign lands. Because if we didn't have where we're at right now, we wouldn't have the internet capabilities to reach you this morning. But God made a provision. But there was David. He, the Bible said David longed. Now if we are making this David Christ, then you will know that, that our Christ is longing. He longed, oh, that, that one could give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Second Samuel 23, 16. And three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines. That means the army of the Philistines. And drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. You see, they heard just a sigh. Just a little wish. From their king. Now, they knew their king had been anointed. They knew that Samuel the prophet had poured the oil upon him. They knew he was going to come into power. And let me just say, we know our Lord Jesus is anointed. We know he will be king of kings and lord of lords. We know that though Satan may be king or prince of this world right now, that this king is coming to take it over. Amen. And we hear, we hear as they did. They did, you know, oh, a sigh. Oh, that I would get a drink. I, if I could be refreshed. Right. Now you're sitting in your room this morning, in your house, or in your little church somewhere, maybe, or a little group of people somewhere, whether it's here, overseas, and and you're, you're looking today for some refreshments. But I'm telling you, in this moment, he's looking for a refreshment. He's looking for somebody, as Brother Branham would say, that what warrior could see the great Holy Spirit come in the form of Jesus Christ, the literal body of Christ to take it over again. He says, stand with me and let's offer him a drink of fresh Pentecostal waters. He said, not some stagnated system, but all fresh Pentecostal water, a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And we 
your king with your praises this morning. Hallelujah. Instead of you wanting refreshed and you encouraged, why don't you, on the other hand, turn back to that God and say, Lord, I love you and I worship you and I praise you and I thank you. You are Lord over all. And today I give you an offering as I fight through the host of the Philistines. I'm going to bring it back to you. As I fight through the unbelief in the world, I'm going to bring you back an old-fashioned Holy Ghost drink of water again with the power of the Holy Spirit can pour down upon the believers. Hallelujah. And he said, I mean not just a bunch of screaming and hollering and carrying on, but I mean a genuine Holy Spirit baptism that produces the life of Jesus Christ back into the person. That life. Oh, men of God in Christ. Where is that sword? Amen. Our Lord desires a fresh drink. And I don't care if it's life or death. Let's cut through this thing. It's so hard standing by yourself. And I'm calling for men to stand by me and stand with the word. What the word says, just do it the way the word said it. I don't care what anybody else or anything else says. Stay, stay it that way for there's only one thing that will cut. Let's go get back to Bethlehem, the true water of God. In his prayer, he would pray like this. Oh God, anoint us with thy word and bring thy word promise to this last day to pass. And may we leave this building this morning as shining instruments of God. May we go with the sword that's glittering in the air and cut away every weight and everything else until we get back to, the, to the, get back the people to Christ and bring a cool, fresh drink to our Lord instead of all these stagnated creeds. Let the people drink from that fountain a real cool, refreshing Pentecostal blessing that it might bless his heart and bring him back among us again. That ought to be our prayer. Warriors, he said, a fresh drink for him, a real true worship, a genuine heart where he can pour down his, make his word live in this day and he'll have it. He said he restored the faith of the people back to the fathers, the faith of the children. Malachi 4 tells us it'll come and it'll be there. Don't you worry. It'll be there. God's done said so. And if you're wondering, will the faith be there? I want to say that's what this message produces. It produces that faith. Amen. Oh, my. <clears throat> not just an excitement, not just an emotion that comes with it. But create that undying faith that won't give an inch to the enemy. Now we have the word. The Bible is our abstract. And I'm going to try to bring it down in these next 30 minutes. As we try to, try to get to cover some territory this morning. Because I told you I wanted to preach on enforcing our abstract of title. We have the Word of God. The Bible is our title. Amen. And the Holy Ghost is our abstract. In other words, it has cleared the deed and given you the right. <clears throat> and it 
is time to throw out the squatter, the invader that's on the land. Now, you know, many, many years before David, probably five, seven, eight hundred years before, I don't know uh, as far as chronologically what it was, but you know, Joshua had given the people the land, but now invaders had come in. The land was theirs. They had been possessing it, but now invaders had come in. That's what, what a Philistine means, an invader. And so he, he is an invader. And, and when Satan, like a Goliath, invades your land and begins to claim your property and threaten you with this angel of death, what are you to do? Now, I mean, Saul and, and his army was around trying to figure out what to do. There was only one man with a solution, and that was David. And David said, well, here's the solution. Go kill Goliath. Amen. The solution is easy. Amen. I, I, can, I can solve the problem. It ain't that hard. We don't need 40 more days of looking around and wondering and making plans. We just need to kill that Goliath. Today, his head's coming off. Amen. And I just want to say, when Goliath invades your land and claims your property, claims your health, claims your victory, claims your joy, and threatens you with an angel of death, I'm going to tell you, throw him out. He's an invader. He has no right to be there. It is not his land. It is your land. I want to say to you, this Bible is your Bible. This word is your word. This promise is your promise. It don't belong to the devil. He has no right to squat on it and say you can't have it. Amen. You are the children of the most high God. And you've got to realize what you've got to do. You've got to throw him off. Cast him out. You're waiting for some miracle worker to come work your miracle. You're the miracle worker. Amen. You're the child of God. Throw him out. When Satan, like a Goliath, invades your land and claims your property and threatens you, that's what you're to do. Throw him out. Don't negotiate. Don't reason with him. Amen. Throw him out. The Holy Ghost is your token. It's your sign that the Lamb has taken your place. So it's your abstract that everything against you is struck off and it gives you a free pass. So death angel, you got to pass over me. That's what you got to announce to the devil today. Death angel, you got to pass over this house. We're under a token. Amen. 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 Satan, remember Brother Adam would say to him, Satan, be careful. There's a people rising in the last day. I see them coming. Amen. 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 She'll be the final voice to the final age. Show him your token. It's your abstract. It shows that your deed is clear. You have a right to God's promises. You have a right to healing, deliverance, salvation. Come on. Every provision in the Bible ever need my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory amen Amen. remember when you truly repent and
and you have fully surrendered and you have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you are entitled to the token. It's yours. God can't hold it back. The devil can't keep you from it. It's you just taking and accepting it as for your own. Amen. That's something some of you need to do right now is say, I accept that promise of the Holy Ghost for my life. I've repented. I've been baptized. But right now, I'm accepting it. Now, that's, that's, that's divine healing on the soul realm. Divine healing on the physical realm is the same thing. You say, Jesus paid for it. And I am a repentant child of God. I have received the Holy Ghost. And right now, I accept all the promises that are his. I accept that healing right now from my body in the name of Jesus Christ. It's just as simple right there as that. I accept it. You did it. You paid for it. Amen. I'm taking it. Then you take it and you hold on to it. You don't let no devil talk you out of it. Full obedience to the word of God. The whole word of God entitles us to the token. Oh, brother Tim, did I do this right? Did Did you repent? Have you fully repented? Have you been baptized in his name? Then it entitles you to the Holy Ghost. When you believe on the Lord and you confess him as your savior, you're, you're an owner of the promise. It's a deed. But when you receive the Holy Ghost, the token, it is the abstract that your deed, in other words, it's the proof, your deed is cleared and you are sealed with the Holy Ghost. Come on. Amen. You say, I believed on the Lord. I've accepted the message. But this is a moment to get desperate and be filled with the Spirit. There's an angel of death in the land. You must have the token or perish. The Holy Ghost is a confirmation. It's the abstract that every claim the devil has against you is stricken off. Amen. Now, and when you can show the token of the Holy Ghost that you've got a right, you've got a right to every any purchased thing that Jesus Christ died for is the token. You hold the token of your unwavering faith in his promised word. Say, I believe that. Jesus said, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. And you hold that token. That's the Holy Ghost over that promised word and walk around to it. I, I write to it. I'm the Lord that heals all thy diseases. Walk right into that. Amen. He was wounded for my transgression and with his stripes I'm healed. I'm walking right into that. Take my token, the Holy Spirit that is in me and hold it over my prayer and say, Lord God, you promise it. When I see the token, I'll reward you. I promise to do it. He can't do nothing else. He looks right to the blood of his own son. There is the token applied. He's got to do it because he promised it. Amen. Amen. So God expects you in this hour, display the token. It's your duty to express God to this world, to your neighborhood. And Brother Branham would over and over, it must have been in his notes, because every time he preached a token, he would tell you these words. He expects us now to display the token over our faith. Display the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost must be on display in the church. He said... Uh, He expects us now to display the token over our faith to Satan's group and the unbelievers and the cults and so forth that don't believe in it, 
that we believe in what he said of his promise and that Jesus Christ has raised up from the dead showing himself alive and that's the badge, the token of identification because it is Christ's own life in you to identify in the word. It doesn't need ever anything else. Hallelujah. And he expects us to also display his token over our faith to Satan and his unbelieving cults and denominations that we believe that his promise is true and he will do what he promised. So this is the hour of displaying the Holy Ghost. This is what Brother Branham would say. He says, you can't leave the blood in a bucket. It's got to be displayed on the doorpost. And the same thing, we've got to be identified with the Holy Ghost in this hour. Now, there's a lot of people who are professing faith. But you must present your faith with your token that you've got a free pass, that the death angel has to pass over. Now, when you pray, and I want to deal this with you, you must position yourself. Uh, you know, it isn't working yourself up, okay? Let me try this now. Amen. Amen. Uh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yes. I, I, okay, now, now I, I feel it. I, I feel it. I feel it. It isn't that. It's you taking your position in the Word. I am a blood-bought son or daughter of the living God. That's who I am. Amen. I have the Holy Ghost. And I am adopted as his son. And I have a right to this. Amen. Amen. And I'm not a slave nor a servant, but a son. And that means I have his name. And because I have his name, I can operate in his name. Now, Satan, you get back. I am a, I am a circumcised seed of Abraham. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. The world has been cut off. I am a child of God. I know who I am in Christ. I profess myself as a believer. Now, devil, you're an uncircumcised Philistine, and you have no right, and you are an invader, and I'm coming today to take your head off, and you begin to use your own mouth to prophesy the death of that devil that's beginning to bother you. Hallelujah. Amen. I've got a right to divine healing. Jesus died that I could have divine healing. I have a right to claim every promise in the book. Amen. Why? Because I have the token. It is a clear deed. Everything against me is struck off. All the devil whispers in your ear. This is, quit listening to his whisper. He's saying now. You know, but this isn't. If there's something, repent of it. I mean, how, how many times you got to do it? I mean, come on. So, well, I, I've been a slothful believer. Well, repent of it. I'm going to start from this moment being sincere. Well, I failed the Lord. I should have repent of it. Make it right, right now. Don't loiter. Don't, don't, don't spend another night with the frogs here in them grope and call and, and gripe and scream and yell all night and keep you awake in the night. Repent of the thing. Amen. Move on. Amen. Amen. Some of you need to move on. 
You're worried. You're, you're looking. You're seeking. Wait, is there this? Is there that? Well, sometimes, sometimes maybe we don't even know what it was. We don't even realize what, where, where it was. Maybe, maybe you've been walking in permissive will. Right now, to return back to the perfect will. That's just that simple. Maybe, some, maybe you've done things that you shouldn't have done and said things you shouldn't have said. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's some condemnation. Well, get rid of it. Get that first. Amen. Deal with that first. The Bible said if it, 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 he, we know that he hears us if our heart doesn't condemn us. So start right there. Start right there where that, the deed is cleared. I have a right to this promise. I am a child of God. Yep. Amen. 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 I, I know some of you are thinking, thinking, you know, oh, what I got to do? Do I beat on the altar day and night? Do I fast three days? Do, oh, what, am I, what am I doing? To, what do I need to do? Uh, you know, <coughs> I, I can just give you an example, uh, examples of Brother Branham, even the prayer line. You know, bringing people out, telling them something in their life, whispering something to them, some sin in their life, and then say, okay, you've repented, it's forgiven, now you can be healed. Well, how long did that take? Amen. How long did that take? When Sister, when Sister Jeannie Camp stood in the prayer line and there in Shreveport, Louisiana, a little girl that was a teenager, Methodist girl, didn't know any better, slipping around smoking. And her brother Bradham called out a woman, tell her or exposed her sin that she was smoking and so on. It just took a minute. Just a few more people in the prayer line and she repented and said, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I didn't know that was so wrong. Don't let him tell that to my mother or anybody. And the prophet didn't even discern it and call it out. Why? From there, three people later, it was forgiven. Amen. Your pardon is not a pardon unless you accept it as a pardon. So if you think there's something, accept the pardon. But believers, take the token. Now, what Jesus began to do in Galilee, he continues to do now through his display of the token of the Holy Ghost back upon the church. For it is not was not the acts of the apostle. It was acts of the Holy Ghost and the apostles. And that was a token. Now, so the, the real token is the acts of the Holy Ghost in the church. Now, so again, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he expects us now to display his token to all of Satan's unbelieving cults and denominations of this world that we believe that what he has promised. So notice what he's he's telling us over and over each time he preaches a token. He expects us now to display his token. Amen. It's just like he said the rainbow sign. When the sign comes up of the rainbow, we remember God has remembered his promise. He's not going to destroy the world with water. Right? And he said... You know, it's been thousands of years, but that token is still the truth. And he said, if Jesus don't come for 10,000 years, 
you know, no matter, he still got to honor that token. Amen. No matter how many things changes, and he's got to honor that token. He said he would, and he expects us now to display his token over our God-given faith to every unbelieving cult in the nation and the world that believes that signs and wonders don't follow the believer. God expects us to display it. Amen. That signs still follow them that believe. This is like the Jewish resistance. This is our homeland. And he says at the Pentecost, the people just realize we're not the scum of the earth. Amen. We're sons and daughters of God. We're heirs of all things to Christ. But as long as the devil can keep you afraid to claim your inheritance, then he's got you. But don't be afraid of any word that God wrote. Just hang your faith on every punctuation of it and say it's right. You got to stand up and claim it for yourself. Amen. 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 Waters of separation. I shared this with the church family this week and across the internet. And this went across. Brother Andrew, you, you made a comment about it. But listen, I want to just read it again this morning. It's been in my notes for, for weeks as we've been trying to come to this moment. Death itself has no reign over a Christian. Christ died in our stead. What a, what a faith that ought to build in the people. Something that'll toe the mark. You'll never get nothing by being a little jellyfish Christian. Did you ever see a jellyfish? You just hit him, he splatters over everything. See, a jellyfish, you know what usually eats them? The crabs and things along the side of the seashore. Comes up with his pinchers and cuts him in two and takes him down because a jellyfish just lays there. <laughs> One thing you're not supposed to do, lay down and let the devil tear you to pieces. Brother, we need some Christians, not jellyfish, but with a backbone that a stand. I don't mean to fuss with people, but stand for your God-given rights that Christ died for. Certainly not pushed around. We don't have to be. No, sir. We got an inheritance. And our inheritance belongs to us. It's your privilege to have anything that you inherited through accepting Jesus Christ and dying to yourself. Oh, how marvelous. You see, Satan said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. No, you ain't going to do nothing. That's That's the way to talk back to him. Amen. Amen. I know my position in Christ, and you might as well get away from me. I ain't listening to you anymore. I got an inheritance. Hallelujah. That's the way to talk to the devil today. Amen. You're not going to do nothing. You are a powerless weakling. Amen. I am a son of God. I have the Holy Ghost. I have an abstract to my title deed. Amen. I have a right to this divine promise. And Satan, you're not going to do nothing. Amen. I'm not going to be the jellyfish. You'll be the one tore apart. Today, I'll cut your head off. Today, I will display you around the world because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Today, It'll be the birds eating your flesh, not mine. That's the way to talk back to the devil. Draw your sword. Amen. Brother Branham would say there, he said, whack him and whack him again. Amen. I'm going to tell you, say, well, I whacked him, Brother Tim. Whack him again. Whack him again. Whack him again. And keep 
working until you drive him off of your land, off of your promise. He said, he gives you an abstract title that goes all the way back to the Pentecost, back to Calvary, the day of Pentecost, when he says a promise to you. I want you to know we've got an abstract clear deed. If there was anything, if I could get to the message people today, this message has been cleared. Amen. The seals have come off the book and revealed the contents of the book. And we have an abstract clear deed that every promise in the book is ours. Amen. And not only that, the mighty angel comes down to hand it to you and say, son, it's yours. Now you go take it. How do I take it? Amen. I can't physically go out and get it. You know, I'm watching my grandkids and my grandchildren on, on uh, FaceTime. Face Let me give you an air hug. You know, air hugs are good, but there ain't nothing like a real hug. Right? Amen. But I, I want you to know, friends, this is not an air hug from God. This is something that has happened in the other realms that came visibly in our realms. A cloud of seven angels, seven seals being opened. God showing signs in the heaven. I am here, I am present, I am looking down upon you. I am watching you in this battle. I am here with you. I'm a cloud by night or or by day and I'm a pillar of fire by night. I am here present among you and I'm giving you Revelation 10. I've given you an open book. Now take that book and eat it and begin to speak what you have read. And it's time for people around the message today. Can I tell you what the word of the Lord is to you? Amen. You, you've heard it over and over and over. It's time you begin to speak it. It's time you begin to prophesy it. You begin to say against that enemy. You're not doing that anymore. You've done it in past ages. You've tried it. But you're not trying that, old boy. Today I'll cut your head off. I am a blood-washed, blood-boxed daughter of the living God. And I stand there on my promise. And I'm not letting some devil take it away from me. The blood of Jesus Christ is just as good as it would have been shed 10 minutes ago. Take that, devil. We got fresh bud, fresh Holy Ghost, fresh life of the blood, the Holy Spirit. And Satan, you are nothing but a trespasser. Goliath was a trespasser. The devil is a trespasser. To go into on another person's land without permission, that's what a trespasser is. The devil is an interloper, which means a person who interferes or meddles in the affairs of others. He's an intruder. And tonight, you know how it would be. You Christians, you show up at your home, start walking in your door, and there's a party going on. Well, the first thing you would say is, look, you know, uh, the government has issued, we can't have but 10 people. 
And what, what, is, what is this party going on in my house? That ain't the first thing I'd say. <laughs> first thing is I'd say is, get out of here. What are you doing in my house? You are intruders. You're drinking your alcohol. You're having your party. And I didn't invite you. And I don't want you in here. Now get out. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'll tell you what. If they didn't listen to me real quick and start scattering, I'd start calling them up, calling them up, and tell them what I want. Amen, Lord, I need some reinforcements here. I ain't big enough to cast out all of these devils that's got in my house, but you but you promised me I've got a title to this home. It is mine. The deed is cleared, and ain't nobody going to party. Hallelujah, on my property. Oh, no, not today, not today, devil. Not today, Satan. Can you say that today? Not today, Satan. Not today. You won't party on mine. You won't have a party with your cancer. You won't have party with your lies. You won't have a party with a pity party. You ain't having parties. We ain't having you on our property. We are here to cast you out. To tell you you don't belong here. And I'm calling heaven. I'm calling angels. I'm calling Michael. I'm calling and I've been deputized to use his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow, this house belongs to human beings, don't it? Yeah. Well, I'm a human being. I got a right to be here. No, you don't. There's a law down here that says you cannot possess what belongs to another. And you are an intruder. Amen. And you got to get out. And the devil says, I'm going to take you prematurely. I'm going to do this. No, you're not. We got a title to this property of ours. When we got an attorney sitting in glory. Uh, yes, sir. Hallelujah. Little girl, Haley Cross, sang here. We got a direct line to the throne room. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Anytime we want to go, a direct line to the throne room. We got an attorney sitting in glory with a blood sacrifice of his own life. Hallelujah. We, we got some sons of Lucifer today that want to say he's no longer interceding. Those are just sons of Lucifer with ecclesiastical demons that have come against the bride with an ecclesiastical persecution that says Christ isn't the same. But let me declare it. We've got an attorney. Hallelujah. Setting in glory. He's called a high priest of our confession. And anything we confess, he goes to work to make it happen. You got to press charges. Today, you need to make a formal act of pressing charges on the devil. Hallelujah. The life of Christ is returned in the form of the Holy Ghost. He's not here in a nail scar. The corporal body is sitting at the right hand of God. Listen to this, sons of Lucifer. He's not left the throne. The corporal body is sitting at the right hand of God to make intercession. But the Holy Ghost has come to carry on his work. Amen. John 14, 12. He that believeth in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. And how can the branches bear any other kind of life or fruit than that of the vine? Brother Bram said, and not only that, we got an FBI agent. 
The Holy Spirit, great, God's great detective, just leave the blood there and serve a warrant on him. What's the Holy Ghost? Put him out. And I know we're looking at, I'm not able, Brother Tim, to do it, but you are able to call heaven. Jesus said, if I make a call, don't you know 12 legions of angels? 72,000 angels will show up here and one can destroy billions. Amen. We ain't just got power, it's overpowered. You know, these sorry little punks around the country that feel so sorry for the, all the little Palestinians who have invaded Israel and trying to hold on to their promised land and poor little finger up against the giant Israel. Shut your mouth. God gave them that land. We don't have no pity on the enemy. Hey Amen. Don't you have no pity on your enemy? Amen. Go back. It wasn't given to you. Go back to Syria. Go back to, to Jordan. Go back to wherever you come from. Get back out. Get on there. God's brought Israel back to this land. And I want you to say, if you don't want to believe this, get on out. You don't want to stand for truth, get on out of it. Well, Brother Branham said, forget Brother Branham and walk on out and do your own thing. And you don't need Brother Branham to do your own thing. But if you're going to believe this word, you'll stand on what Brother Branham preached. Right. Amen. You'll stand there on that word. You, don't, you won't need him as your crutch and say, well, Brother Branham said, forget Brother Branham. Go on, do your own worldly thing. Live your own kind of life. Do your own thing. You don't need the message, but I do. Yeah. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. I do. I need this message. It's my abstract to a title. That's what I want to tell some of these guys sometimes. They get lifted up so much in their own selves and got their own thing. Well, you know, why do you need Brother Branham if you're so great? Why do you need the message if you're so wonderful? Just go on and do your stuff. Alienate yourself away from you. You're bigger than it anyway. Just go do your stuff. But to me, the promise has been given. And it's my land. And I'm going to take this land. And in this land, we have a right to enforce the law. Amen. And the lawgiver, the Holy Spirit is here. The agent of God uh, to see that it's done that way. And let me just tell you what a prophet told me. You don't have to knock down to the devil. We don't have to bow down to him. The days of slavery is over. We don't belong to the devil. Amen. We, we don't have to have his sickness. We don't have to have his false doctrines. We don't have to be slave to him. You don't have to obey his sins anymore. Somebody help me preach. You don't have to knock down the devil. We got a law and that's the law of the Holy Spirit. Now the thing you have to do is to know how to let go and let God do it. Sometimes we are trying so hard within ourselves to make something happen. Just take God at his word and say, Lord, you made this promise and it's mine. And I accept it now in your name and I'm going forward in your name. Amen. And I'm claiming it for myself because I have the privilege to enforce upon Satan the claims that God gave us. Now, Brother Bratton gave an example of this. He said, one of the brothers there, 
They're driving up miles and miles from down in Georgia. Had come up, parked his car. You know, went, went into a place and somebody come and stole it with all of his belongings. Whole family was at loss with their clothes, everything. And it was gone. And he's, they came to Brother Bradham and said, what are we going to do? He said, they've stolen our cars. So there was a, a theft ring going on in Louisville and they were stealing cars right and left. And he said, so what we did, he said, if we got down on our knees, wonder when the last time you've done that. I got, we got down on our knees and he said, we began to pray. And he said, after a while, a vision struck and he said, I saw the man, he had once been a Christian and he said, the Holy Spirit got to dealing with this man and said, you know, you could get caught at this, you ought to return that. And he said, in a few minutes, he turned around and he brought it right back and left it over on a certain street. And Brother Brandon said, in a little bit, go by a certain street. And he said, you'll find your car with the keys in it. He said, a half of a tank of gas will be gone because he went all the way down to a certain town and came back and he's there. He said, what did it? The Holy Spirit was sent out by a word, come on, that was being prayed a word was prayed and it went out and got him and brought him back. Amen. With the stolen possession. Now I want you to know, friend, maybe, maybe you're in a situation like that, but we've got a right to enforce a claim. And it doesn't take a physical presence to make it happen. Right now, right there in your room where the, where the pastor can't get to you, where I can't lay hands on you, where it can't be a physical thing. Right now, the word going forth can bring deliverance to your life. Amen. And you say to Satan, give it back. And he's got to do it. Because we can take God's agent, the Holy Ghost, go down on our knees and say, thus saith the Lord. Where are we getting thus saith the Lord? We may not have a vision, but we got the word. That's the vision. And he's got to give it up. So the law, the law of the Spirit of God is to force Satan to give up what he has unrightfully, deceitfully taken from God. Souls of men he took from God. Souls of women, children, sickness of the body. He placed upon the people where God made them in his image to be like him. And the church is given the rightful legal rights by the Bible to take the Holy Spirit and enforce this upon them. So you see, he has made you a deputy. In other words, he has given you the authority to tell Satan to get out. Right. Amen. Now, you've got to you be ordained to do it. You've got to have the badge of believer, which is the Holy Ghost. You say, you got the power? No, I don't have the power, but I've got the authority. Amen. Amen. I've got the authority to use his name. Amen. Now, again, he says... When Satan puts something upon you in the way of sickness, whatever it is, every born-again person has an abstract warrant, a warrant from God. Now, a warrant is a document from the government authorizing the deputy to make an arrest. And the Holy Spirit is here to put the devil out. No matter if it's cancer, tumor, cataract, brother Jerry, eye trouble, whatever he is, the Holy Spirit will put him out Amen. 
if you'll serve notice on him in the name of Jesus Christ because he has no legal right. I am the Lord that healeth all of thy diseases. Is that right? He was wounded for our transgression. With his stripes we were healed. But you have to go over and take it. Amen. Lord of God. Amen. When a man or a woman, Brother Bradham said, is dressed in the full armor of God, it ain't power. It's authority from on high. And devils will scream and brakes will screech. And even death itself will shudder. And even graves will open at the authority that Jesus Christ gave his church. What a promise that is. Amen. Has no legal rights to rule over you. So whack him, whack him again, take your sword. Don't put it back in the sheath. It's time we stood on our promise. This is the day of enforcing your rights. Abstract rights. And I want you to think of this as we bring it down. You can no longer be a slave again. Never. Never. He has no claim on you. Not only is there no shame on you, there's no claim on you. He has no more right to you. Your son, your daughter of God, you belong to him. Now take your inheritance. Even souls of sons of men and women, that's your children that the devil has took, he has no right to them. You gave them to God as a child. I thought about it yesterday. His brother Phillips sent me a picture of him and Mandy standing there. Little William was there and little Sadie was put in my arms. I think it was Sadie. (coughs) This little girl that now sings these glorious songs. Going to be married in a little bit to Jeremy. I was holding my arms. During Y2K, when they said everything was going to collapse and fall apart. And I told you then, as we approached the year 2000, I said, don't worry. It's not going to fall apart like you think. And I'm standing here today. Now we're at another crisis. And I'm telling you, don't worry. God's got this in control. Not only that, you're his child. You belong to him. Now put your faith in him. I want you to bow your heads with me just a moment. Yes, it's a battle. Michael shall stand up. The lamb stood up. The mighty angel stood up. Revelation 10, 7, the prophet stands to finish the mystery, restore us back to faith again. Revelation 10, 8, a people stands and takes the book. Paul said, now when you've done everything to stand, I want you to keep standing. Play that song, Standing Somewhere in the Shadows. You're going to find him. Right now, 
as the wings of death goes across the world and his shadows comes there. And you feel so alone right now. Maybe Satan has already gave you a notice of death. Maybe cancer or sickness has struck your body in some way. Maybe you're in a hospital right now listening to me. You got this COVID-19 that's choking you to death. It's a choking spirit. Oh, I sure that in the name of the Lord Jesus. Take your hands off of God's property. You that were in the regions, in the shadows of death, light has sprung up. Maybe in the jailhouse of your tormented condition right now. The Holy Spirit is stepping out of the light, patting you on the side and saying, Child, shake them chains. By my stripes you were healed. Standing somewhere in these shadows, a light has sprung up. People who sat in the regions in the shadows of death, light has sprung up. Hope has come. Resurrection hour is here. The eagle anointing is there to lift you up above the shadows. Look, the prince of the nails declare that he has already healed you. Take that promise for yourself this morning. Father, you heard the words that were preached. We're displaying the token today. Signs follow them that believe, not the other way around. Believers don't follow signs. We Signs follow us. The word has come forth. Right now, Lord, right there in the room, as they lay hands on one another, as they gather, Lord, maybe it's been so dark, can't even see their hand in front of their face. But may they know there's a man present. They can flip the switch. They can turn on the light for them. Bring healing. Oh, the Son of Righteousness, with the rays of glory, shine down right where they are and dispel that darkness. Dispel it. In the name of Jesus, let the same angel of God that got Peter out of his dilemma move right down into the jail cell of every person under the sound of my voice and declare to them they're free. Get up. Stand. Dress yourself. Put on your shoes. You're leaving with me. The devil's not going to do what he thought he would do. You're walking in freedom. I pray that you'll grant it to them today. I speak in the name of the Lord. I speak healing to those that are sick in their body. I speak to those children of God right now. Raise your hands and accept it. I speak life to those that have been seeking the Spirit. And ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. 
And you'll be witnesses to display into all the parts of the world. In Jesus' name, I speak it. I speak life. I speak health. I speak His promise. Will you speak it with me? Will you speak it with me? Will you be one who prophesies today? Will you take the word you've been hearing and put it on your lips right now and claim it for yourself? And say, Jesus, he's mine. He's mine. Right now, he's mine. I accept it right now as my own. In Jesus' name, I bind every devil, every demon of hell, every spirit of unbelief would try to hold the children of God down right now. And I say to the children of God, Go get a fresh drink for your king. Offer him a drink this morning of fresh Pentecostal waters. Amen. He's been waiting in the shadows to be made the king and kings and Lord of Lords, but make him your king right now. He's been waiting in the wings, but his hour has come. Standing somewhere in the shadows. Find Jesus. He's the one who always cares and he understands. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Oh, today is a day of deliverance. Right now is the hour of deliverance. Oh, you know him. You know him. In the atonement. In the atonement. With his nail-scarred hands. Well, I shall know him. I shall know him. Just worship him now from your heart. As we do. Oh, don't you feel his presence? Oh, I feel such a special anointing today. Oh, I feel the spirit of prophecy. Oh, Jesus. Let your people know him today in the power of your resurrection. As you display your power to your people in this time. As we pause in this dress rehearsal, may we prepare ourselves for the battle. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. Oh, what a place. He's the one who always cares. He understands about it. Says. He was standing in the shadows with them. You're gonna find him. Amen. Your hope isn't in their horses or in their chariots or even their medicine. Your hope is in the Lord God of Israel. In the atonement, in the nail prints. Look at those nail prints again and say, I'll know him. I know he did it for me. I know he's my savior. I know he's my healer. I know he's my deliverer. Amen. I'm the redeemed. Today I 
stand by his side. Hallelujah. yesterday today the angel would say to brother Randall never forget he's the same yesterday today and forever oh by the prince by that atonement in his hands a man standing somewhere oh standing somewhere in the shadows you'll find Jesus Look around. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, you fear no evil, for thou art with me. Oh, standing somewhere in the shadows, you're going to find him. You know him in the atonement. You know him in the atonement. Just look. Can I forget you, Israel? No, I can't forget you. Your name is engraved in the palm of my hand. I remember. I paid the price for your healing. I paid the price for your salvation. I paid the price for you. As redeemed. Oh, as redeemed. I know him, my deliverer, by the prince of the nails in his hands, Brother Timothy. 